Podcasting from Phoenix, Arizona, the home of year-round flip-flops, the nation's largest city park, and Cactus League spring training. This is The Saver and The Spender, a weekly podcast about budgeting and money habits from both perspectives. And now, here are your hosts, The Saver and financial coach, Kelsa Dickey, and her husband, The Spender, Michael Dickey. All right. Hello, everybody on The Saver and The Spender. This is Kelsa, The Saver, and I am super excited for this episode of the podcast. We're going to be interviewing our brand new amazing financial coach at Fiscal Fitness Phoenix, Jill Emanuel. Welcome, Jill, to the crew and to the podcast. Thank you. Is this your first podcast that you've done for us? It is. I had you on as like a client, right? I know. No, I can't believe it. I don't know why you didn't invite me. I can't. I know. <laughs> the reason now. Um, we wanted to announce to the world and let people know that you are accepting clients. And we also wanted to talk about your amazing journey as a financial coach. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that feel like they could really help others get a handle on their personal finances, or they're maybe doing it already a little bit. So friends or family. Um, and I really think hearing your story is going to be a beautiful and very beneficial thing for some people. I think it's going to be really inspiring. I think that whether it's financial coaching or just this idea of, you know, we maybe start our careers or get our education in one thing and we actually discover our passion through our hardships or the challenges we face in life and that it is possible to just sort of change course, right? And, you know, learn from these mistakes and discover a passion through them. So, um, and you don't necessarily need to have a degree in that thing to be really great at it, right? Yeah, that's true. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? Where you're from? Tell us about your family. Sure, sure. So I live in Mesa, Arizona. So I'm here local to Kelsa anyway. Um, We're almost neighbors, <laughs> a few miles apart anyway. Um, I am a wife and mother to two crazy rambunctious little boys. Anyone that has met them knows that they have more energy than any other child on the planet. <laughs> and they feed off of each other. So like, it, even if one of them, you know, has a ton of energy, the other one absolutely will as well. They just yeah, they yeah, encourage each other. Yeah, so they they're six, and my oldest is turning nine in three weeks. He's such a big boy. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like halfway to out of the house. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that nuts? I just met with a client this morning that we were, you know, planning for. In the fall, her daughter will be, they'll be taking her to college and just, you know, what do we need to buy for the dorm room and going through the list that the university provides on the needs and the wants and um, talk about, it sort of gave me a stomachache, my two-year-old, I'm like, I'm not ready to even think about that yet, but I also get that feeling it's going to go by so fast. It does. It goes so fast. So yeah, they're definitely growing up and they're, they're very, very fun and they always keep life very entertaining, exciting, and you can never predict what's going to happen next. <laughs> They're little entrepreneurs though. Like they always have their lemonade stand yes. and buy your lemonade or their lemonade, of course, when they have it. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. And they are starting their own YouTube channel. They, they think they're going to be like famous someday. They talk about, <laughs> they're like, someday we're going to be on a stage and everyone's going to come and see us. And I'm like, what are you going to be talking about? They say, well, our toys, of course. Like, <laughs> everybody wants to hear about those. Yeah. So anyway, um, they're very entertaining children. <laughs> Wonderful. So let's dive in and have you tell us how you grew up around money and maybe what some of your experiences with money and parents 
was for you. Sure. Absolutely. It's a very good place to start, I guess. Um, I grew up in South Dakota, so I'm a Midwest girl through and through, born in South Dakota, and then I went to college in Nebraska. Um, My parents, my father was a mail carrier, so very middle-class family. Um, My mom stayed home with us, so I have a younger brother and sister. There were three, you know, three of us in the house, and she stayed home with us pretty much throughout, I mean, all of elementary school. I think she finally started to work when my brother went into like middle school age. Um, but they made a lot of sacrifices to have her home with us. But it was great to always have my mom there for, for everything. You know, we, any school activities, any fun things we did, she was always around. Um, but obviously with the only one income and not, not a great income at that, like there wasn't a lot of um, extravagancy or lavishness in the way that I grew up. Um, it was very much paycheck to paycheck. I would definitely see my parents um, worrying about money. Uh, I, I still remember to this day that the, for dinner one night, my mom made this like really weird mix of like a whole bunch of different rice and like, I don't even know what was in it. And we all were like, oh my gosh, this is so good, right? Like we all loved it. And we honestly would like ask my mom to make it again. And she was like, I honestly have no clue what I put in that, but it was the only thing that we had in the cabinet at the time. And so that's all that I could make. And I just made like the only thing that we had. It was like so, a hodgepodge of like yes. rices that were left at the bottom of the boxes of rice or something. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... um, Resourceful, that's for sure. Very resourceful, yes. (laughs) And um, I just remember, you know, as, as we grew up, because things were so paycheck to paycheck, my parents, you know, they tried their very best to always provide for us and always to to give us the things that we wanted. And, you know, when, when we'd have our hearts set on something, they, they wanted to do their best to make sure that they could provide that for us. But a lot of times it was like, well, you better put that on the Christmas list, right? Like that's going to happen, but it'll be like six months from now. Um, but when those big things happened, I would hear over and over, well, that's what the credit card is for. And so I kind of grew up hearing that a lot, like, oh, we're going on vacation. All right, time for the credit card. Like, that's what the credit card's for. Oh, the car broke down. Thank God for the credit card. Um, So a lot of, you know, the statements of when big things happen, that's what credit cards are for. When it's back to school shopping, that's what credit cards are for. So it was always like they never really had enough extra to be able to afford that themselves. So in my mind, I grew up very much thinking that credit cards were for like all, all the big things. Yeah. So then you transitioned to being a young professional and, you know, then married and, and did that then translate into how you managed your money? Yeah. Sadly, <laughs> very sadly. <laughs> we own it. We've all done it. Um, yeah. You know, I, and even just throughout college, you know, I was in college for um, nine years Uh, so definitely had a lot of years where there wasn't a lot of money coming in. And so for me, just to supplement and go out with my friends or buy some new clothes or whatever, it was always just, you know, default back to using the credit card. Um, and I still, you know, remember my, 
I think one of my last years in college where I was, I think in 10 or $12,000 worth of credit card debt. So as a college student with no income, like that's a pretty horrid situation to be in. Um, yeah. And I, I was going into my final year of school. I was going to be on rotations where I didn't earn any money at all for that entire year. I knew I wasn't going to be able to keep my part-time job up. And so I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm in serious trouble right now. And finally broke down and told my parents that I was an idiot, (laughs) or at least that's how I felt. Right. And that I'd made some big mistakes and I didn't know what I was going to do. And they were just like so much shame and guilt. Yes. Embarrassment in that moment. So much. It was, it was very humiliating and very, very challenging to do that. And they came to the rescue. God bless my parents. Um, They, like I said, they always did their best to help us and provide for us. And so, you know, they didn't have the money either. And so they went out and got a personal loan to bail me out of this credit card debt that I was in so that I wouldn't have to worry about it for the year I was on rotations. And we made the agreement that, you know, once I graduated, I would start paying them back on that personal loan which I did, but, you know, ultimately it took, it took a while and they bailed me out. <laughs> so, and I want you to tell that story later. Cause I think that's super amazing, that whole story. But, um, so you got out of credit card debt and then you went to school or you were graduating from school, you got a degree, all of that. And then wh- where did you find yourself after that? So after that, I moved to Phoenix. I had been in school in Nebraska, in Omaha, Nebraska, and I moved to Phoenix. I wanted to get out of the winter. Um, so sunny Arizona was calling my name. <laughs> and I got here, and for the very first time in my life, I was actually making money. Um, and so it was so exciting. I was like, oh my gosh, I can do like anything I want. Like I felt like I was like a billionaire because I finally had a paycheck that was more than like $300, right? (laughs) So, um, so it translated into kind of going a little crazy to be quite honest. Like when I look back at it now, I'm like, wow, I had, I mean, I had no plan in place. I had no structure. I didn't know what to do with this money that all of a sudden I was making. And it gave me this like really false sense of security that I like, oh, I make great money. I can do whatever I want. I can go out whenever I want. I can buy the clothes I want. Like we can travel if we want to. We can put it on the credit card. No big deal because I can pay it off. I've got a big paycheck coming. And... I'm curious, you know, I know a lot of your journey, but I don't know if I know if at this point, were you making payments to your parents for the personal loan or did you not start that yet? I did. Yeah. So I had, I had started making payments to them for the personal loan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Curious. Yeah. 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 So I had started that. Um, but, but still I wasn't making big payments. Like they sh- totally should have demanded of me that I had it paid off within like three <laughs> months. Like, honestly they should have, but they were like, Oh, you can pay us like whatever you can afford. And I'm like, okay, here's a hundred bucks. Like it was yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. It was, I, I definitely should have been much more responsible than I was. And I did not make wise choices at that point at all. Yeah. So, um, did they bail you out one time or was there another time? They, I 
I'm trying to remember now if there was a second time earlier in college. And there may have been actually when you say I, that. Thank you. I think that's what I was remembering, but I didn't know if I yeah. was remembering that part of the story wrong. I, um, I think you're right. And I, I think I just probably just don't like to remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's fast forward. Um, you are now married. Tell me how, like, how, what did it build to? So before sort of like the culmination of like, oh my God, I'm, we're at our max. Like, tell me about that pivot point. Sure. So yeah, got met my husband, got married. Um, I met him very shortly after moving out here. So I kept saying we were doing, we were doing, it's because we met right away and we both were for the first time really had any money. So we, we both kind of grew up with the same mentality and which is really bad, right? So we combined our very poor money management skills together to create this massive bad management problem. So, (laughs) um, so we had continued. Yeah, we got married. We paid for most of the wedding ourselves. So we put most of that on credit cards, got pregnant on our honeymoon. So right away we're like, oh my gosh, we've got like baby plans. We got to like buy all this stuff and we bought our house and got everything ready. And so a lot of that was going on to the credit cards as well. And, um, we were, you know, we were like, that's okay. (laughs) We were doing okay. We were, we were juggling things. We were managing it. Um, got pregnant with the second and shortly after that was, um, when my husband, he had taken a new job and he'd been there for about nine months. And just the whole time he was there, he was like, I don't think things are right here. Like there's things that are going on that just don't seem quite on the up and up. Like it doesn't seem like all they're doing is very legitimate. He felt really uncomfortable about a lot of the conversations that he would hear and things that were going on. Um, And so ultimately he wound up finding out that the um, SEC was coming in and doing investigations on them. They were like a financial company, IT company. Um, and next thing you know, like people were getting laid off left and right. And so every day he's walking into work and he's like, oh, this person's gone now. And the next day it was someone else. And as these people were getting laid off, they're saying, well, now we need you to do their job too. And he's like, I don't, I don't know the first thing about marketing. You want me to be, be your marketer now? Like I'm an IT guy. And so it was just very frustrating, stressful, um, just increasingly every single day got to the point when like payday would come, they wouldn't get their paychecks. And like three days later, they'd get a handwritten paycheck out of the owner's personal account. So it was like, am I even going to get paid for the work? Am I even going to have a job when I show up tomorrow? I'm getting criticized every day. Cause I'm like not doing a great job as their marketer. Like, yeah, just the um, just, certainty. Yeah. It was just very, very stressful. And, um, So I remember the morning that we woke up and he was in the bathroom down the hallway and I was like looking for him, couldn't find him. And I walked in there and he was like holding his chest and like having trouble breathing. And he was like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And I was like, oh my God, like what is happening right now? I'm like, are you okay? Like take a breath. What's happening? Do we need to call 911? Like, and he just started bawling and he couldn't breathe. And he's like, I can't go to that place anymore. I cannot go there. I can't go there again. And he, you know, 
at home, things had already been increasingly stressful. He, you know, wasn't interacting with the kids. He'd walk in the door and was so grumpy and stressed. He admitted to me later that he'd been like crying in the car, driving to and from work because he was so incredibly stressed about the situation. And like, I mean, it's not like to stereotype, but like when a man cries, it's like pretty serious stuff, right? (laughs) It's like, you know that something's wrong because it just... Women, I cry about everything. If it was me, he'd be like, hey, it's just another day. But <laughs> <laughs> must have watched a cute movie today. <laughs> right? I know. Like a Hallmark video. I don't know. Whatever. But to hear him saying that and then to see this physical you know, reaction that he was having to going to work, we were like, this, this is ridiculous. Like, you can't function like this. Like, our entire life is going to fall apart if this is how it is right now. And, um, at the time I had only been working part-time after we had our second child, I went down to part-time. And so I was like, you're done. Like, you're not, you're going to go in there today and you're quitting. Like you're putting in your notice. Don't even put in your notice. Like you're done. They're going to fire you anyway. Like they're doing it to everyone else. Right. So I was like, I'll talk to my work. I'll go back full-time. It'll get us by in the meantime, while you look for something else and we will be okay. So yeah, big smart plan at the point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like, you just have to make do though. And that, you know, so you knew he wasn't going to go get ready, dress for work that day. It wasn't physically possible probably. So, um, and is that what I think snowballed things financially for you guys? Was that definitely scenario? Yeah. So, um, we made the decision. He left that job and I, I really think, and he may not love me sharing this, but I think he was in a very depressed place in his life at that point. I mean, you know, he just... Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like that it. That job had been horrible for him. Yeah. Tore him down. Um, yeah, you know, he just wasn't feeling successful. He wasn't feeling worth, you know, like his own worthiness at that point because the job had just been so horrible. And um, I, I just think that he had like no ability to even put himself out there to look for another job at that point. Like he just felt so defeated after that experience that he, he knew mentally, you know, like I need to try to go get a job. But the thought of like going back into the IT world that he had just gotten out of, like, I think it physically made him like ill to think about it. Yeah. Tell the story about you're in the car and gas in his car and, or, you know, that, so, yeah, I mean, there's so much that happens in the middle and it's almost like those details. Everybody has their own set of details, right? Right. You've got some really bad scenario that happens, probably some bad money management habits, like you said, but you can Mm -hmm. sort of make do when everything's going okay. And then you have like a life event something happens, whether it's a job loss or, you know, a family member, something happens, a medical bill, anything. And it sort of like catapults it to where you were then in the car this one day. Right. Right. So that was, that was about six months after he left his job. So we had thought it'd be like a month or two. It did not turn into a month or two. And we're about six months in, I had been working as many hours as I physically could. Like I literally was working 60 or 70 hours a week. I would leave in the morning at seven in the morning. Sometimes I wouldn't get home till midnight and then I would do it all over again. I, you know, would sometimes go three or four days without even seeing my children because they were in bed, like the only time I was at home. 
Um, so I was physically exhausted completely mentally exhausted because I didn't see that we were we were still falling farther and farther behind like despite me putting in so much work right saw the bills and I knew that we weren't getting ahead it was just getting worse it's one thing to like work really hard and sacrifice because you when there's a purpose there you can see it's working or it's got some potential or it's giving opening doors or opportunities it's another thing to do it and feel like it's never ending or there's no way into the tunnel and it still continues to get worse. That is such a challenging place to be. Like you said, emotionally, mentally, physically, it's just an exhaustive place to be. Yeah, for sure. And I just, I remember the day driving in the car, which is the day that Kels is talking about. And I had looked at the bank account and we were overdrawn again. And I called my husband as I'm driving and I'm like, whatever you do, do not put any gas in the car. Cause we had like two or three days until payday. And I'm like, I don't want to be getting like $35 late fees for a $20 car fill up or whatever. But I remember having to call him and tell him like, you can't put any gas in the car. We're overdrawn again. I was frustrated, mad at him, mad at me. Like, you know, just absolutely feeling all, all the bad feels. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, I hung up the phone and I was so frustrated and so angry and just so, I don't know, desperate, I guess, and defeated. And I had to finally tell someone because we hadn't told a single soul, like how bad things were. We tried, we just had to keep it a secret. You know, we were embarrassed and ashamed about the situation. And so I called my best friend And she answered the phone and I immediately just started bawling. (laughs) I don't even think I got a word out. And she's like, what is going on? And I was like, I think we're going to have to file bankruptcy. And I'm like sobbing through these tears. You know, she probably could hardly understand me. Um, And she said, you know, I think that you need to go and see my financial coach. And in my head, I'm hearing, you need to go see my financial advisor. And I'm like, you don't get it. I don't have money to invest. (laughs) (laughs) But so I was like, what are you talking about? And ultimately, she referred me to Kelsa and to Fiscal Fitness. And I hung up the phone and was like, okay, I, I need to go check this out. And so got online when I got home and I looked at it and I thought, oh my gosh, like, we don't have the money to pay for this session. Like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we can't keep doing what we're doing right now, right? We definitely couldn't keep this cycle because we were definitely headed down the road towards bankruptcy. We were probably headed down the road towards divorce with how much anger and frustration and everything that we felt towards each other. And um, I used the last like three or $400 worth of space on the one credit card we had room on and booked our first session. So, yeah. 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 And the rest is history, but it's not the rest history. Is history. Yay. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, um, I always like for people to know just how hard it is to schedule that very first session, you know, the, and it's funny cause I get to talk with you about it now that you're a coach, you understand it firsthand, which is why I think, you know, what makes a good financial coach is actually somebody who has had their own struggles and their own challenges and and knows what it takes to overcome them. Because then when it comes time to talk with that client about, 
here's how I, you're probably feeling. Here's the emotions behind this. Here's what's happening mm-hmm. in your head right now. Here's probably what you're telling yourself. If you haven't experienced it yourself to understand the, the, um, just how intense all of that is, then it's really hard to like coach somebody through it. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think the, when it came time for me to hire a coach, right. And, you know, you, we're going to talk in a second, you've got tons of coaching experience in other ways. Right. Mm -hmm. And I immediately turned to you and was like, I trust you completely. Like just the transformation that you have experienced yourself has been so remarkable. And the fact that you can live through those things, talk about those things and say, here's what I experienced and here's what I've been able to do is what makes us good coaches, I think. Yeah, for sure. So what happened after that? So you called, you had your first session. So we called, we had our first session. Um, My husband was not on board with this at all. Like I think that's (laughs) really... I think that's important though for people to know because like getting your spouse on board is a huge challenge to overcome, especially when you're like talking about finances and putting it out there and saying, we're going to show someone else all the numbers. And then we're going to kind of try to like give a little bit of our control over to them and trust that they're going to give us the right thing to do. And he was not on board. He did not want anything to do with it. He didn't want to share our numbers with someone. He didn't want to spend the money that we didn't have to pay someone to tell us what to do with our money. Like in his head, it did not make sense at all. I did it anyway. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so So, going into that first session or like just after, I always wish, I wish every time I do the very first session with someone that like, as they're driving home, I could like be in the car listening. on the wall. Like, I wish I could hear that conversation when people pull out of my office. Um, tell me what was that conversation like in the car? Oh oh gosh. I don't know if I can remember the exact conversation since it was four years ago, but, um, he was sold by the end of the first session. So he, we got in the car and I know that I was like, I actually think that this can work. Like I actually feel for the first time, like I have some sort of hope. Whereas prior to that session, I, I did not have hope. I didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. I felt, like I said, so much despair. And after just that two hours, and I think I probably like cried through the entire thing because I was like, really, I'm not a horrible person for being in so much debt. And really, you think you can help me because I don't think anyone can help us. (laughs) We had this joke. I don't know if you remember this because this is years ago, right? But we had joke that like, okay, Jill, when, like, at what point in the meeting are you going to cry again? Right. Totally. Sometimes it was for a happy reason. Right. The relief you felt of like, oh my God, I can't believe that we're doing this. It was definitely happy tears. Some of them were initially, you know, you were mad or frustrated and all of that at yourself. But, um, when we were joking earlier about how like Jill cries, like (laughs) it was an ongoing joke in our meetings as well that like, (laughs) I, yep. think, I would walk in, I think I would walk in the door and you would grab the tissues and just set them down. <laughs> and I think it was one of those times where I remember like one of the very first meetings that you didn't cry and you guys were leaving. And I was like, wait, 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 what just happened? You didn't cry at all. This is like the first time I remember it being like a really big deal. <laughs> it was like, we didn't do anything cool today or something. Cause I didn't cry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just starts to feel so even and under control. And I mean, yeah. if we can be sort of 
unemotional in the sense that there's not these huge swings emotionally attached to our money. That's such a beautiful thing, right? It just mm-hmm. like where it feels simpler and easier. And like I said, just more level, you know, yeah. more easier to manage. So, um, Okay, good. So I'm glad to know that Matt converted. So that's good. Yes. Um, I know he did. But um, (laughs) so at what point in your journey did you start to think that like, wow, like I think I might have like discovered sort of a passion for, let me, actually, let's come back to that. Okay. All right. Up until this point, you have, you had been telling me about your experience, not just as like a pharmacist, but as a trainer or a, you know, leader in other ways that you were coaching people in a lot of ways at this point. Sure, sure, sure. So, um, I guess I've always had the entrepreneurial like itch in my body since I was a kid. So I've always done all sorts of different things and people always wonder what's what Jill is doing next because I, I try a lot of different stuff but yes my my education was in pharmacy so I was working as a pharmacist um obviously through that you know you go through all sorts of different things so coaching and training and mentoring new new interns and things like that but along the way I I went into the career because people told me it was like the good thing smart thing to do um, I'd have a good income doing it math and science was like really easy for me and I didn't like blood and gore so I'm like I can't be a doctor like that's out of the out of the thing so I'll be a pharmacist so I never really have to see anything gross (laughs) (laughs) um but it wasn't really something that I was like totally passionate about like I was interested in it I was definitely interested in it but I think I went into it more for were the reasons of like financial stability that I thought I'd get out of it. Right. And, and all of that. Um, and after I'd been in it for several years, I just was so bored. I just, it did not excite me. I was like, I need to do something else. I need something where I feel like I'm doing it for me. And I wound up getting involved in a direct sales company. And, um, I never imagined in my entire life that I would have done that. (laughs) Um, But I did. And I promoted up really quickly. I became a director, I think, within the first nine months or so. Um, And so I was with the company for five years. And I was a director with them. I had, I think, maybe at the most, like around 120 or so people that were on my team that I mentored and coached and, you know, taught through Um, all of that. And then I was also a senior national trainer for the company, which meant that any new consultant that signed up with the company that was in like the Arizona, Nevada, Utah region um, would come and do like a weekend training that a live training that I would do um, like once a month or whatever. So through that experience, I definitely found that my passion in doing that was not at all in selling my products. <laughs> like I, I was the worst saleswoman ever. Like I totally could not push the product. I didn't really care about making the sales, but I loved connecting with other women. And I loved the mentorship and the coaching that went into growing their business and changing their mindsets and just all, all of those things was just what really kept me involved with it and kept pushing me and driving me and making me want to do more. I would want to, you know, have our group meetings and come up with all sorts of new things that I could coach them through. And, 
um, that was truly like my passion in doing that. That is the part that I loved so much. Yeah. And I, I am not surprised at all. I feel like when we, I oftentimes will become very close with my clients. It's just something that naturally happens. And if you're local, we're probably going out together. We're going for lunch or we're hanging out. Our families are hanging out together. It's just something that I've never separated those two parts of me. And I mm-hmm. really never to do that. So it's something that I really, I love my clients, right? I mean, really and truly. And uh, so you and I, we would go hang out and yeah. just creatively, like the ideas you could get when it comes to like brainstorming or, you know, we'd be talking and I'd be saying, yeah, I don't know what to do about this. And just, I mean, the ideas that you would have and it's, you know, to say you have an entrepreneurial spirit is like such an understatement, <laughs> you know? Um, you're definitely like always creative, always thinking outside the box and always trying to problem solve. So it's not just creative as in like, I'm going to go make something right. It's like creative with the idea that this adds value in some way, or this helps to solve a problem or this fills a need that's out there. And I just think that that's such an innate skill that a person, it's hard to learn that, right? Like some people have it very naturally. And I think that you are definitely one of those people. Yeah. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So how did your journey then? So all of that being said, yes, your journey in your own financial uh, challenges and growth then translate into, Hmm, I might want to do this. And yeah. (laughs) So I think probably, I, I mean, even within the first few months of coaching, we were seeing such amazing results that I started telling like, everyone that I knew. I was like, oh my gosh, you have to go talk to this girl, Kelsa. She's going to like change your life. Everyone thought it was crazy. (laughs) It sounds crazy. It does. It does. It totally does. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, it, it was, it was so transformational. It was so huge for us. And I was like, wow, there is like so much power in this because really, truly, you know, we were in a horrible place And just like that, like learning some new skills, we were able to flip it all around. And so I, you know, as someone that had a lot of education and went through many, many years of college, I mean, I took statistics, I took accounting, I took, uh, you know, economics, macro and microeconomics. You would think I would have had like some sort of clue about how to deal with money and I had zero clue at all. And so it really proved to me that personal finance is a skill that we don't get taught at all, zero, unless our parents are very skilled and they can pass that on to us. But that it's something that we can definitely learn and pretty easily, like once you're shown the right way. So it gave me a lot of like passion behind I would hear so many people just talking about how frustrated they were with their bills or they were fighting with their husband about something. And I'm like, you got to go talk to Kelsa. You know, <laughs> I'm telling everyone, you have to go talk to her. And, you know, I had a few close friends and they're like, well, can't you, I just come over to your house and you can just show me a few things. And I'm like, I guess, I guess I can, you know, like, <laughs> um, and it, it just, I don't know. It just started to like feel really exciting to think like I have learned so much and we have totally transformed the entire way that we look at money, manage money, think about money. Um, and, and to be able to start sharing some of that with other people and helping them to start, stop being so stressed. It was just the most amazing feeling in the whole world. Yeah. It's not a surprise to me. I mean, I feel like I've had a number of clients express interest in 
um, you know, coaching for, you know, even either as a side hustle or something like that. And I, I think it's really a testimonial to the fact that like, when you feel this transformation, you want to share it. Like you don't want to contain it. You want to spread it and you want to like help other people because you realize that they're probably struggling and they're hiding it. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like you were hiding it. And it's, contagious. You want it to be contagious. You want to tell them and then you want them to tell other people and that kind of thing. I also love how in your story, you're, you said that you had a really hard time selling your, you know, (laughs) sales stuff, but yet it was just this very natural organic thing where you would just sort of like shout from the rooftops that like selling me in a way, like being one of my ambassadors. And to me, that's a really great testimonial to the fact that like, it was something that was a passion of yours that you felt behind so truthfully mm-hmm. that you couldn't help but share it. Yep, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about financial coaching is that it's very little sales are needed. You know, I mean, really and truly, I mean, it's just one of those things where this is the way it works and you're either on board and ready or, yeah, you know. For sure. Yep. You're either ready to dive in and take control or, or you're not. And we're, we're definitely not going to drag anyone through it, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that your finances have transformed. And so I would like for you to uh, share sort of the closing of what happened with this loan from your parents and how that whole thing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm so happy. I did not tell you I was going to ask you about this. You didn't tell me. No. Okay. So yeah. Um, So when we started coaching with Kelsa four years ago, we I still owed $25,000 to my parents for their bail out, I think outs, plural. Um, <laughs> and, um, and some like student loan, you know, stuff that they'd taken out, right? All of that combined. So it was $25,000 that I still owed to them. And we started working with Kelsa and I said, you know, this is something after we had paid off all of our credit cards, I said, this is absolutely the How next priority. How much were the credit cards? Do you remember? Uh, just shy of $50,000. It was like 49,000 and some change. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. Horrible. It's no, I got chills because you, I mean, you but did it's it. amazing. So we did it. We yeah. did it. And it's so awesome. And so I know that anyone else can do it. Right. Yeah. Um, so we still owe this $25,000 to my parents. And so we said, okay, this has to be the priority. Like this year, this is our number one priority is getting this all paid off inside of this one year. They don't even know that it's coming because right now we had been paying nothing. Like they knew that we were in like a horrible financial situation. Again, having to like make the breakdown phone call to my parents, like we're broke and we can't do anything. And God bless them. They're like, just stop paying us for now. You can pay us back later. And, um, So they had no clue that we were in a position at this point to start to pay them back. And our goal was to pay the entire $25,000 inside of that one year. And I said, okay, well, we don't want to do it small. Like I want it to be a big surprise for them. I want to make it really fun. Um, Now I'm trying to remember what, because we did three different things. So the first one I... Did we do 5,000 or 10,000, Kelsa? Can you remember how much we did on the first payment? It might have been $10,000. I think the first one was 10. That's what I was going to say. I think it was $10,000. And um, yeah, it was. Okay, so it was $10,000. And we were like, well, okay, my parents live in South Dakota. I want to get them this money like right now because we hit the 10,000 in the account. And I was like, we got to pay them off now. Like, this is so exciting. I can't contain myself, right? 
So um, we were like, well, how do we give them $10,000 when we're in Arizona, they're in South Dakota? Like we can't exactly like ship a stack of $10,000 to them, right? <laughs> so I was it's like, sort okay. It's anticlimactic too, to like just wire them the money. Right, like, you know, hey, it'd be Venmo. like- No, I don't even think you can Venmo that Put one. it in a card. Yeah, it was like just like, you yeah. know, it just didn't seem like exciting enough. So I went online and I found this like piggy bank and it was in the shape of a cowboy boot and it had like cactuses on it. So it looked very much Arizona. It was probably one of the like ugliest piggy banks I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) It was really awful. Found it on Amazon. God bless Amazon. So I ordered this piggy bank and we get the piggy bank and we wrote out a check for $10,000 and we put it inside the piggy bank. And then we like super glued shut the opening on it so that they couldn't get the bottom off of it. I love that story. And so we sent it to them with a note and we said, we've been, we've been kicking debts, butt or something like that. And now it's time for you to break the bank too, or some, I don't know what we did. Something funny like that. Something creative. That's all I know. (laughs) Creative. I loved it. So anyway, they had to break open the piggy bank with like a hammer. Wasn't your brother there like videotaped? He videotaped it. So I had warned him. I said, I'm sending mom and dad a present. And I think that we're going to want to have this recorded. So will you get your phone and make sure that you record it when they do it? Yeah. And, and I so, think the thing that I love, so they had to break the, uh, sorry, I have to get a Kleenex here. They, um, they had to break it in order to find out what was in it, but they... Yes. You didn't tell them that, right? Like no. they had to kind of well, like... Well, I told... Well, yeah. Like, I inferred it through yeah, the card, yeah. but I didn't exactly tell them. They had to figure but it out. But on the video, your mom is like, <laughs> no, we can't break it. Your dad's like, I think we're supposed to break it. No, it's a gift. We can't break I it. I know. And she's like, it's so cute. I don't want to break it. I'm like, this is the ugliest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. She was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> So they did, they wound up breaking it open and they pulled it out and opened it. And it was just really amazing to see their reaction. I'm like, oh, I'm going to tear up right now. Here I go crying again. But, um, but yeah, for them to open it up and see $10,000 that was written out to them from us that they totally were not expecting. It was, it was one of the best moments ever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just the feeling like, the, the gamut of emotions over your journey, like the level of shame and guilt and embarrassment. And, you know, like you said, desperation at the beginning to what a beautiful moment where you can just feel so proud of yourself and know that like your parents feel proud of you too. And they were, they were proud of you no matter what, but (laughs) you know, this idea of like, we're, um, proving to them that like, we're right raised right, if you will. Right, right. That we finally got it together. <laughs> it took a few years. Yeah. And just the feeling yeah. of like blessing them. Right? right. And, you know, maybe this isn't about like whether they needed the money or not, but was, is that a lot of money to anybody? Absolutely. And right. w- were there things that they maybe didn't allow themselves to have because they right. took care of you first? And yeah. now you're able to say like, thank you so much for the blessing that you gave me. And now I'm going to, you know, give yeah. it back to you sort of thing. What a just a beautiful moment. I'm so glad you have it on video. I know. Yes. Yeah. It was a great moment. Similar things. You don't have to really go into it. This is actually a great like blog post because I think for people who do oat family or have some things that they want to pay back, it's, these are some really creative ideas of how to make it fun, how to make it, um, 
monumental for from everybody's perspective and sort of make it a bigger deal. Yeah, exactly. Because ultimately it was money we owed them anyway, right? It wasn't like this surprise money totally because at some point we did have to pay them back, but to be able to do it in a way that was creative and fun and a little bit unexpected at the moment, it definitely left an imprint for all of us, you know? So it was just, it made it so much more special, even though it was something that ultimately was just going to have to happen, but. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's different the way you did it versus like a hundred dollars a month. Right. You know, for however many years, but yeah. And, that, and that's okay too. You know, it's right. not to downplay one of them. It's just what a fun way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. That's great. Um, okay. So let's see. Uh, what is your favorite? So this is like your success story, what we just told, right? So you guys are now in control of your money and you're doing amazing things and all of that. And you're happy and a lot less stressed or there's always stress in life, but maybe it's just right. not gonna be t- attached to money right now. So what is your favorite client success story? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, Okay. So I have been working with this young couple. They're engaged. Um, They came to me very, very frustrated with their finances. And um, she, she would say like, is this the worst you've ever seen? It's gotta be horrible. Like kind of joking, but also kind of serious and nervous. And And I think people say that because they, they're hoping to hear that it's not, I mean, they they say it because that's what they're telling themselves. Like this has to be the worst and all of that. And they're going to put it out there and it's a really great opportunity to say like, no, it's not. And wow, it just makes them feel better. Right. Right. So, you know, I started working with them and they were kind of in the same situation as Matt and I, like her fiance was not, not too excited about the whole idea of doing financial coaching. He didn't really want to give up control and have someone else tell them what to be doing with their money. Um, and so we, we got started and I just loved them. They're just such a great couple and they have a lot of really great things, but they had a lot of different things going on with their money and they weren't exactly on the same page with things. And after a couple of sessions, um, I just thought this is one of the coolest things because it was only a few sessions in where she called me up and she had registered to do a bodybuilding competition. She's very fit into fitness, you know, and it was like kind of a big, huge dream of hers that she was going to do this bodybuilding competition, the first one ever. And she had like made her down payment and she was working with this coach and, Um, we'd kind of been evaluating like, okay, how are we going to like make this happen for you? Cause it's a big goal of yours and you really want to try to do this. So let's let's try to like figure out from the financial standpoint, like how are we going to budget for this and get everything worked in while you guys are also trying to plan for your wedding. Right. And I, I think it was just one of the best moments ever when she called and she said, I canceled my bodybuilding today. And it was so shocking, but she was like, you have made us look at our money so differently and it's not a priority for us right now. And that's like $5,000 that I, we're not like, we, we have goals together now. And so it just so much put them on the same page and she made that choice before she even told her fiance, like she wanted to surprise him with the fact that she had like made this really big sacrifice because now she was able to really see what the financial implications of that choice was on, 
on, you know, them as they're, you know, they're working their life together and what that was really going to do for them. And it was so huge and such a big, tough decision. And to, to know that like, she felt really, really good about it. And she felt so empowered with making that decision, even though it was a huge sacrifice. It was a really great moment. That is awesome. I, you know, I've said for years that our job is to help people put their money behind what they think is important. It's not what Mm -hmm. we think is important. It's not whether we want her to do bodybuilding or anything. And it's like, if they come in and say, this is what they want, then it's like, let's, how can we help make that happen? Right? Like, let's just not hope it happens. Like, what do we need to do? Let's create some action plans and all of that to make it happen. And oftentimes over that journey, their value system will shift or their priorities will change um, because they they do have to sometimes pick and choose. People, you know, it's sort of like this trade-off with money oftentimes. And people are making that trade-off on a regular basis. They're just not aware of it when they're doing right. it. And now all of a sudden it's like, I'm fully aware of what that trade-off is. So I feel more empowered to make the decision. It's a much actually an easier decision to make when you realize what the choice is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love the fact that like in her way, she was surprising her, you know, fiance, spouse, whatever, um, right. with this news, like that was such a big deal. What a, yeah, it was huge. It was really big. So it was cool. Very cool. Uh, let's see. What are the most common mistakes you see people make when it comes to personal finance, money, budgeting, sort of all of the above? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Where do we even begin? Um, this is like when people say like, what's the thing everybody spends, you know, too much money on. I'm always like, there's not one thing like that is not one thing. Some people grooming, some people it's eating out, some people it's their car. It's like, everybody is different. Right. Exactly. And I, I mean, I think one of the biggest challenges is just having a couple be on the same page. Um, I think that definitely is one of the biggest challenges because even if they have the, their accounts together and everything like that, they still are operating very separately in many ways. And um, I think that definitely is a huge challenge for people when they can't like really see what the other is doing and have confidence behind each other's choices. I see a lot of like bickering between couples and like blaming one or the other for the reason of their financial problems when really it's not one or the other's fault at all. It's just that they both can't see exactly what's going on. Like one of them wouldn't have made the choice that they did if they knew the thing the other was thinking. Right. So, so true. It's almost like instead of they're not purposely like sabotaging one another, but inadvertently or indirectly or almost subconsciously, like it's happening where you're not only not supporting each other, but you're actually pulling the potential away from the other person by accident, by accident, totally by accident. Clearly we're not seeing the money. Clearly we're not seeing the budget. Clearly we don't know how our actions are impacting those numbers and we don't even have goals or priorities most of the time, Right? you know, we get there or our hands on them is what I was going to say. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it it happens all the time where it's like two very opposed, Opposing um, decision-making processes are happening under the same roof and they're sort of pulling each other apart. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, what would you say is your ideal client? Oh gosh. I would say my ideal client is someone who um, they make good money, but probably don't have a lot to show for it at the end of the day. So very much like what I was, you know, I definitely think that I just relate to some you know, the situation like that where you, you know, that you're doing okay, but somehow 
the bank account never reflects it. You look at, you know, the end of the month or the end of the year and you're like, what did we really do this year? Like where, where did all that money go? We made more money this year than last year. And somehow we have nothing else to show for it. I think people that are in that sort of situation and feeling that frustration about, you know, why, why aren't they having those improvements? Um, Why don't they have more to show for it in the bank or, you know, from more memories that they created by being able to travel or to, you know, move into the new house that they wanted or to, you know, pursue the hobbies and things that they want that they don't have the money to do it and they still don't and they can't figure out why, like that would be someone that would be perfect to work with so that we can really help to to hone in on what exactly is happening with your money and make sure that it does get put towards those goals so they don't feel that frustration at the end of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's so true. It's, it's like, this should be easier. Why isn't it? Right. right? This mm-hmm. should be better. Why isn't it? So what are some really important, but yet simple things that somebody can do to improve their financial situation right away? Any tips? Oh gosh, definitely. So, <laughs> well, we always start with everyone getting their bills organized. So I definitely think organizing the bills and doing it by due date is such a huge, important number one first step. And it's so, so simple. And so many people don't do it. I talk to like, I think almost every client I talk to, I say, when is your bills due? And they say, oh, that one's the first half of the month. And that's the second half of the month. Like almost everyone says that. And really knowing exactly what the due date is, is a really powerful thing because it gives you so much more control over your bill pay situation and like knowing where it coincides with your paychecks. Yeah. And this is so simple that it's almost like people um, downplay it because it's almost too simple that they don't do it because they think, how can that possibly help? It's just too simple almost. Right. Yeah you know, when I give a presentation or I give some action items and that kind of thing, I say, if you're going to do one thing that I tell you to do today, like this is it actually like this, it seems simple. It can be on a post-it note, right? right? This doesn't have to be anything more elaborate than that, but it really will change how you view the timing of money. Most people, as you know, Jill, um, have a hurdle in the month at some point, whether the majority of their bills are due at one time or there's one week, maybe it's the third week of the month where like, car payment, student loan, and cell phone are all due at the same time. And it's a really expensive week. And simply seeing it because you now have it laid out on a sheet of paper in front of you immediately lets you know that like, so leading into that week, you need to kind of hoard some cash or you need to like let it stockpile or you need to have some extra because you're, that is your most expensive time in the month. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And then I think the other thing that changes so much for people is to start using cash. And it's the thing that so many people like dread the word like cash. Every time I say it to someone, they're like, I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) God, it's, you can literally see a person's like physical reaction to that. Right. And it's like, they're all like preparing for it the whole time. They're like building this up, like, Oh, please don't tell me to use cash. And then you say, you know, you need to start using cash. And they're like, I knew it. (laughs) But we do it very differently. So yes, Yes, yes. The whole podcast about cash, I think. Yeah. Right way to do it, the wrong way to do it. You know, one of the things people say to me all the time, just to kind of uh, plant a seed of curiosity on this cash thing, is they say, well, cash burns a hole in my pocket, and I find if I have it, I spend it. And I always say that that is a really, um, that's the statement I hear when they've been doing it wrong. 
right? Mm-hmm. They're not managing the cash properly. They're not having enough structure around it, you know, whether right. it's like the length of time and all of that. So, you know, there, there is sort of a strategy to the way you do cash. It's not like, here's my cash yeah. and we'll see what happens sort of thing. So there, there is some do's and don'ts there. So let's uh, have yeah. a podcast sometime and talk about That's that. That's right. We'll save that for later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Any other tips or anything like that? Um, oh goodness. Let's see. I think it's also important for people to go through all of their statements and look for any subscription services that they are members of. I see, I mean, there are so many different subscriptions out there now and whether it's little makeup sample bags that you get every single month, or it's the, you know, Fabletics workout wear that you sign up to pay for every single month and you only really wanted to order it like once or twice or like music and movie books and like all the audio type things. Right. So much of that. And I'll see clients that come in and they have direct TV, they've got sling TV, they've got Netflix, they've got Hulu, they've got Amazon. They have like every single possible avenue for streaming TV known to man on the planet. And I say, why are you paying for all those things? They're like, I don't know. So yeah. I think it's I, really, one of the things I love about some of those subscription services like Netflix and Hulu and stuff is that you can like turn them on and off so easily. Right? right. So if we find a show, let's say on Netflix, that's like, you know, five seasons in and we are just now starting to watch it today though. We know that that's probably going to be the thing that we will watch for quite a while. So right. then like, I'm going to go and turn off Hulu for three months, right? Like I don't need to pay right. Hulu for three months. And then when we want Hulu back, you just resubscribe. Like it's so simple. I love that about those things. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. So definitely like looking at those and seeing what you can kind of narrow down. Are you duplicating things that you really don't even need? And, um, with, with all the new streaming services, definitely that's one that I see people like probably have a little bit too much (laughs) going on. Yeah, it's so true. Um, before we wrap up where, um, what is your vision for yourself as a coach, Jill? Like, where do you see yourself in five years? And oh my gosh, <laughs> what do you hope to do with clients and all of that? Well, obviously, I'm super excited to be joining up with Fiscal Fitness, and I am hoping that we can grow. You know, our name in the business um, tremendously. I mean, I really see what we do is just adding so much value. And there are obviously so many hundreds of thousands of people that can use help with their finances. Um, and uh, I don't know, I just, I, I have a huge desire to just help as many people as possible. So whatever way that winds up rolling out, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet, but, um, I think together we're going to do some great things. So I'm really excited to see what, what that is. I think so too. I've said for years that I, you know, wish I could duplicate myself and, uh, I am so blessed to have really remarkable clients and people that I know I can trust and they continue to refer, you know, their friends and their family to us. And I feel like that will always continue. And I, I know that I got to the point where I was like, in order to continue to help people at the level I want and to give them the attention that they need individually, I, I need help. And, I feel like if I can't duplicate myself, but I got pretty darn close when it comes to you, Jill. (laughs) So uh, I I have no hesitation at all in saying like, Jill's got your back, you know, and Jill's going to take care of you. And you've been doing that for a few months now for us. So that's why we wanted to introduce you to everybody. And uh, we've got the kinks worked out from the technology standpoint. There's always those kinds of weird things. We've got it all worked out and we are, um, so you are, you're helping people and, uh, 
it, really the nice thing is that a client who comes on board, like gets us both really. I mean, we are, we can both be better coaches because we have each other to bounce ideas off of, or, Hey, what have you seen with this? And, um, you know, it's something that for years I've missed. I've missed having, you know, I've always said that I was a financial coach before very many people were. And so it's always felt a little bit like I was on my own little Island, you know, and I, you know, figured it out and have definitely loved every minute of it. And at the same time, it's so good to just have another coach that I can partner with. And I'm so excited to have you on the team. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. You're welcome. I think that's a wrap. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? No, I don't think so. I just hope to see a whole lot of you coming over to physical fitness so we can start helping you. We're going to change some lives. So I agree. I agree. So we're going to change even more lives, right? That's right. (laughs) Um, And if anybody has any questions or topic points, we love to hear from you guys. You can drop us an email. You can message us on Facebook. You know, if there's a question you have about money, let us know because we are totally able to answer it either in a blog post or in a podcast episode. And we want this to be offering as much value as possible to all of you. But for right now, that is all that we have for today is introducing our wonderful financial coach, Jill Emanuel to the team. And I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Saver and The Spender. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, www.fiscalfitnessaz.com, to your family, friends, and colleagues. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at IamFiscallyFit, and on Facebook at FiscalFitnessPHX. Join us next time for another edition of The Saver and The Spender.